Welcome to Stratfor's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue, sitting in for Fred Burton. Today, we're talking about the impending resumption of work on the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline from Russia to Germany. You may recall it was interrupted last year when U.S. sanctions forced the company providing pipelaying vessels to bow out of the project. Our global analyst, Sim Tax, says there's an update. Sim, thanks for being here. Thanks, Emily. Great to be here. Talk to me a little bit about what's going on here. So as you said, in, in December of last year, the company that was putting down the, the pipelines for the Nord Stream 2 project um, had to bow out under pressure of United States sanctions. Um, now, since pipelaying is, is a relatively niche capability, um, companies engaged in that activity are, are fairly dependent on their ability to work anywhere in the world. Um, so U.S. sanctions obviously would be a major stumbling block to them. Um, now, because of that, Russia's been forced to depend on its own vessels, um, and that's where this one particular vessel, the Academic Chersky, comes in, which is owned by Gazprom, which you know also owns the Nord Stream 2 pipeline project. Um, so they've been trying to get this, this vessel into the Baltic Sea to finish the, the work on the pipeline, but initially, at the end of last year, the the ship was still in the Pacific where it was on call for potential pipeline repairs over the winter period. But now after a long trip, it's actually made it into the Baltic Sea and is currently located near Germany, ready to to effectively resume work on the pipeline. What is it about this one vessel um, that's so critical in the completion of the pipeline project? So it's actually a, a Danish legislative issue that that means only this Russian vessel can finish the work. Um, the the Danish regulations require a, a vessel to have a dynamic positioning system in order to uh, complete this kind of pipe laying work. That essentially means it's a it's an automated system that controls the the position. Uh, of the vessel in the water so that it doesn't shift off course or anything, um, you know, trying to avoid any any potential environmental uh, damage or, or issues during construction. So since Russia has no other vessel that actually has such a dynamic positioning system, um, they've had to wait until the, the academic Chersky was actually available and able to make it strip all the way from the other side of the world. So talk to me a little bit about now that it's there and it's ready to roll, is that sort of lifting the last barrier to this Nord Stream 2 project? More or less, yes. The game isn't over yet, of course. We can't say that, that the Nord Stream 2 project um, is is complete or successful uh, until first gas passes through it and, and the European consumers and Russia are able to actually benefit from that. Um, but we have seen the U.S. continuously threaten additional sanctions to prevent Gazprom from completing the work um, or to dissuade those European partners from taking part in it. Uh, but they haven't actually put those additional sanctions in place. So at this point, um, by bringing the academic Chersky into the Baltic Sea, Russia has also shielded the construction efforts at this point from uh, the further effect of those existing sanctions. So there's there's very little the U.S. can do um, within the time span of, of a few weeks or months that could still derail uh, that construction. So, Sim, if, if the U.S. efforts can't stop the completion of this, are there any other consequences that could crop up? Yes, and, and that's 
perhaps the more important element in all of this, um, e even though time to really halt the completion of the pipeline itself may have run out already, um, the U.S. could still make significant efforts to disrupt the actual operation of the pipeline. Um, so they, they could still try to impose sanctions. Um, but the problem is that they, they'll have to walk a very tight line uh, in, in managing their relationship with Europe. Obviously, some Eastern European countries like Poland and Ukraine heavily oppose the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. But the consumers of Russian gas in, in Central and Western Europe, such as uh, Germany, where the pipeline actually arrives on land, um, they're very much in favor of it. Uh, so the U.S. will have to weigh its options between, on the one hand, trying to dissuade Europe from purchasing additional Russian gas through the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, and on the other hand, sustaining its its very important security and economic relationships that it has built with those countries in Europe. And in addition to that, there's, of course, all, also the Russia-U.S. dynamic to keep in mind, where you know, those that relationship has definitely been tense at best. But uh, during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, the, the constant back and forth between Russia and the U.S. has somewhat calmed down. But we could see uh, completion of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline essentially rekindle that dynamic. Yeah, I would imagine uh, that's something that we're going to be watching very closely. So beyond the pipeline construction, how will Nord Stream 2 affect the future of Russia's energy relationship with Europe? So the way the Nord Stream 2 pipeline will actually uh, affect the, the landscape of energy infrastructure is that, you know, even though it, it its main job is to provide additional capacity, additional volume for natural gas sales to Europe, the most important thing about this pipeline actually is the diversification that it offers. Because even though this, this is adding additional volume, currently Russia isn't even fully using all of the potential uh, natural gas transit volumes that it has available to it. For example, in, in Ukraine, it's only using a small uh, amount of the actual total amount of gas that it could be transporting to Europe that way. The thing that Russia gains through Nord Stream 2 is, is actual security of its different supply routes towards Europe. We've seen in the past how geopolitically sensitive some of these transit routes can be, particularly the one running through Ukraine. Uh, we, we've had uh, multiple cutoffs in the past or threats of cutoffs when, when Ukraine and Russia failed to reach an agreement on gas transit pricing. So essentially, by, by having this additional volume in the Baltic Sea, Russia is able to continue to fulfill its contracts to Europe, even if there were to be disruptions on, on other parts of their of their transit infrastructure. Um, so in a way, the the Nord Stream 2 pipeline will will help secure uh, Russia's role in in uh, in European energy markets. But on the whole, there's there's a fairly limited potential for real growth of the, of their stake in the market in Europe as um, you know, the expectations of natural gas consumption in Europe aren't very optimistic um, over the next 10 years that that might only grow marginally. Um, and in addition to that, Russia is also facing additional competition from LNG supplies, for example. So it, it's becoming a more competitive market, low gas prices, limited potential for growth. 
but Russia is mainly looking for that security of, of their supply routes through diversification. All right, Sim, thank you so much. Thank you. Simtac is a global analyst for Stratfor, a rain company. Together, rain and Stratfor are guiding clients and subscribers alike through these unprecedented times. If you're interested in Stratfor Worldview, visit stratfor.com slash podcast offer. That's stratfor.com slash podcast offer. Here's an inside tip. Podcast listeners get a good rate. I'm Emily Donahue, in for Fred Burton. Thanks for listening. <laughs>